But I have to tell you, a few weeks ago, Grant and I were talking about Father's Day, and we were kind of talking about what we felt like God was saying um, for the morning. And so we were going over, you know, we want to have a bacon bar. We want to do all these fun things. And, and we both felt like the Lord was saying um, that God wanted to share with you guys um, why men matter. I mentioned that last week. And Grant looked at me and said, I think you need to preach that message. And I, I laughed because I was like, uh, you know I am not a man, and normally men preach a, me a message on manhood. So I'm just going to disclaim it right now that I'm a woman preaching a message on manhood, so I understand I don't really know what it's like to be a man, okay? But today is a day that I feel like the Lord has actually given me um, a prophetic word if you want to call it that, for you men. And so look at it like that. So I know it's a little bit, uh, it could be awkward, but let's not make it awkward. I told my oldest son, I said, I'm preaching this week on what it means to be a man. And he goes, this is his true response. He goes, well, that's awkward. <laughs> I said, yeah, it kind of is. And then he paused for a second. And then he said, but if you were a man, it would probably come across really boastful. And I was like, there you go, in the mouth of a 10-year-old. So we are going to just be so honoring to you men, and I can do it because I'm not a man, and it won't come across as boastful. So I want to do a disclaimer, another one, and tell you that today is not going to be a PC morning. I don't know how to do this message without balancing everything, without it taking all day. So just know, women, it's not for you, okay? This message is for us to hear, to support the men that are in your life, and men, this message is for you. So if I say something and you're like, well, women can do that too, just table it, okay? They can, but I'm not going to balance everything for the sake of time. So you guys ready? So we're talking about why men matter, and we're talking about the, what is manhood. This is so hilarious to me to preach this, but I'm really excited. So in our day and age, I think we have this thing happening with what masculinity is where it has become really confusing. And I think all of you guys know that there is this idea of masculinity that takes two forms in pop culture. And the one form is sort of the Jersey Shore, pump the iron, roid rage, veins in the neck, macho thing, right? And that's something that we all would go, oh, that's manly. But then the other image that comes across is the guy who's really doesn't like to be in social settings, behind his computer all of the time. And, and that's, you know, is that masculinity? But then we're always saying, well, this is, so that can't be. And then it gets confusing right? And in our life, in our culture at this moment, there's not a lot of godly manhood on display. So not anymore, because all of you men get to be the godly manhood on display. But I heard recently that the Big Bang Theory, anybody know that show? I've partially have never really seen it, but I know what it is. Apparently they are making a million dollars an episode. Like, what? That is crazy. And the show, if you've never seen it, the context is these three men who are brilliant intellectual scholars who have very little social skills that are consistently running away from their problems. And then the other characters in the show are these really um, very dominant, strong-willed women, and we're kind of like creating this picture in society. It's one of the most popular shows. They're making some of the highest paychecks on TV today. And, and this, is what I, this is why I bring that up. God was speaking with me, and he said, you know, Rachel... As women rise, they're not vying for one place, okay? Both genders were created by God to reign together, right? Men were created by God, women were created by God, and it wasn't about two genders vying for top. It's there's room for both. It, the both is the top. Does that make sense? And so, you know, I hear different people tell me, and this is true, and you might, it might surprise you, but this is true. I've heard different people say to me that 
um, the women's movement of the last 60 years is why masculinity has been sucked out of our culture. I don't think so. Because here's why. Let me remind, let me tell it to you a different way, okay? The women's movement is something for women to come to their place. The masculine movement is its own thing. We're not vying for one spot. Are you guys tracking with me? So we have to start looking at it as like, for women to thrive, then men have to not thrive? No, that's ridiculous. For men to thrive, do women have to be like, you know, subservient? Not necessarily. Both can actually rise to what they're supposed to do, okay? So what I want to show you is what that actually looks like because I can see on all of your faces, you're very perplexed right now. So here we go. There's, thank you, there's room for both genders. I want to say too, that as much as we as a culture are confused about what masculinity is, God is actually not confused about manhood. He actually created it. So he comes into the garden and he takes this clump of dirt and he forms it into a man. And man, men, you have such an amazing thing where you are the first creature to have the breath of God breathed into. What an honor. It is so amazing that that is a part of you. There's, an, there's like a, a connection in your DNA that's God breathed because he breathed in you first. And then he looked at it and then we all know the story. He said, well, this isn't exactly, you know, it's not good for man to be al alone. So he puts Adam to sleep, pulls out a rib, he creates woman. Now he intentionally left certain qualities in Adam. This is where sometimes we get off. He intentionally left and he defined manhood and he gave it to the male gender. And he did the same thing with women, but it's not our day, okay? All right, so he's not confused about what this looks like. So some characteristics of godly masculinity that we're not gonna get into in depth in a second, but I wanna just mention this, is that really men, what makes up your essence that's so beautiful is protection and redemption. Okay, there's a lot more to it than this, and we're going to get into that in a second. But the thing that the, that the world has caused a lot of men to do, and I'm going to exempt you guys from most of what I'm going to say, but it has taken the protection thing that you reflect in the character of God, and it's made it more self-preservation. And then it's taken the, the thing of redemption, and it's made it more distracting from what redemption really is. And so we're going to come back to that at the end, but here's the deal. As God, I said, Lord, how do you want me to explain what is manhood? Because clearly I don't inherently know that, right? And he gave me this picture of this beautiful pie chart. I can almost guarantee you it looked better in my brain. I busted out my crayons in the process of me coloring it. My 18-month-old colored all over my floor, so that was really special. Um, but I had you men in mind because I know you're visual learners, so this day is for you. So here's what I want you to see. There are eight different colors on this color wheel, okay? Some of you guys are familiar with my rainbow God analogy. I know that's not exactly what we want to talk about on Manhood Day, but look that up on the podcast. It's a really beautiful way of describing the way that God reflects himself on the earth, and it's easy to describe that in color. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about how when God made man, there was a complex thing that he simplified into man, and then man is now made in his image. Okay, so there are things that every man has that are made in the image of God. Some of these things you have more than others. Some have those more than others, right? It doesn't, there doesn't have to be, um, there's not one form that is, this is what godly manhood is. It's a little bit nuanced. So are you guys ready to hear what they are? All right, this is fifth grade science fair project at its best. Now, the first one, here we go. Are you ready? It is... Nurture. No, wait, what, Rachel? 
this is Father's Day, it's Dude's Day, you're gonna tell me that manhood is nurturing? Here's what I wanna say. Men, you are made in the image of God and God is a nurturing father, right? So one of the things that gets so distorted in our culture is that most men I know, in fact, all the men that I know actually have a tender nurturing side to them. But our culture keeps talking about how the macho thing is what is manhood. And I think it's confusing for you guys. I know it's confusing for my sons, right? I have a lot of men in my life. I have a dad, a husband. I've got two sons, a brother, and a lot of friends that are men. I've always had guy friends. And most all of them are very, they have a little bit of a wrestle with like, I have this really tender nurturing side, but no one is out there saying, hey, that is actually manly. So today's your day, tender men. This is a manly thing. Here's the deal. When a man, when a child has like a boo-boo, right, and they come to dad and dad welcomes them and loves them, they don't, they're not going to nurture the same way that mom is going to nurture. You're not supposed to. You're men. It's not supposed to look the same. But when you do it, it creates stability. It creates comfort. It creates this like, okay, I can get back out there on the slide and do it again. And it is so powerful. So we have to take a second to recognize that the nurturing part of you is actually made in the image of God. All right, quality number two, men, you are creative. This is our multicolored side. This is probably not gonna stick to my crayon. All right, creative. You are made in the image of the ultimate creator. He literally has created everything, right? There is nothing beyond the realm of creativity. I just, th I just think this is so crazy that today's day and age, artistic men are looked at as less manly. In history, some of the most famous artists ever are all men. In the Bible, the first person mentioned as being filled with the Holy Spirit was a man artist fashioning art on the temple. You know, I think he was like um, chiseling in stone. But he was an artist, and he was a man. This is such a godly manhood thing that I personally believe is part of why there's a lot of gender confusion. Because you take somebody who is a man by birth that is nurturing and creative, and they don't see that being on display as something that can be manly. Artists, architecture, um, what are other things that can be creative? Uh, you can be innovative in business. That's creativity. You can be um, innovative in sports, coming up with amazing plays that win the game. You guys can tell I'm not a big sports person. I'm not even going to try to speak your language. But even in medicine, right, medical advances, there's so much creativity. My, our family, we like to watch Shark Tank, that show. We're business people. You guys know that. And um, we love to watch that show. And you know what? Most of the time, the best ideas are from men. And I'm not saying that to say, oh, women, we don't have good ideas. This is not our day, right? I'm talking to the men here to say, listen, the creativity that's inside of you is from God. And it's absolutely amazing. And it is actually really manly. It really is. So don't ever believe it's not. All right, number three, identifier. What does that mean? Let's get into it. Your third quality that makes up manhood, you are identifiers. Okay, when Adam was fashioned in the garden, God gave him a task of naming all of the animals. It wasn't just because he was bored and he needed something to do. There's a thing that God has given you men that you speak identity into the world. It is your calling, it is your birthright, it is something only you can do. Women, can, we can do it, but we cannot do it as good as you can. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that. It's not what's been given to us. What's been given to women is to bring life into the world. Men, you clearly can't do that, right? But men, will you speak identity over things? Here's one of the things that it looks like. You, when you speak identity over someone, it actually begins to frame their world in their minds. 
We've seen this before when God created the earth by speaking it into existence, right? So your words have power. So here's what it looks like. When you grow up in a home with a dad that's speaking over you and saying, hey man, you can do this. You are such a good man. God is so honored by who you are and how you're loving him, right? You just begin to speak identity. You know what? When they're having a hard time and they can't make it work, um, you, and that when the dad comes in and he says, you know what? I know this is really hard, but I know you have it in you to do what it takes. What happens if you've ever had a situation like that? It's like in, you start to get inflated with air and you rise to the occasion. I've had, my own father has done this in my life. I've had spiritual fathers that do this. And every single time when they say, I see this in your life, you can do this. It's like, yeah. I can, right? And this is something that's been given to you, man, that men, that is such an amazing calling. You speak and you shape with identity. In the same way, you can shape identity in a negative way. We all know that. We all have lived through situations like that. But that's just to help you see how powerful it is when you step into this part of what it is to be a man. I want to share with you guys when Jesus was baptized, okay? I love this story. He's baptized. He comes out of the water, and the Father God is so enamored by that moment that he rends the heavens and speaks audibly and he says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. You may not be very familiar that G um, Christian, excuse me, Jewish culture at that time was this. If you were raising your son to be the successor of your business, when they came to be around 30 years old, if they were proving trustworthy, okay, so that you would only do this if they were trustworthy, you were ready to pass on your business to them, the dad would take the 30-year-old son into the marketplace and he would proclaim loudly, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And all of the business owners would know, I can now do business with the son in the name of the father. Isn't that amazing? And so when Jesus was baptized, that's what was happening. God as a father could not stop himself from doing the things that men do and identifying over his son. I am now well pleased with me, with you are, I am well pleased in you and you can now go about my business. I am giving you that stamp of authority. Men and dads, this is what you get to do. If you don't have your own children yet, you can be doing this in the other people that are in your life. We are watching a generation of, uh, more than a generation, two generations of fatherlessness running rampant, right? And it's going to be really hard to correct that, especially when you're talking about families that have several different dads going on in the mix. But you know what you can do? You can step into those little ones' lives and you can just do what you do, men. Hey, you know what? You are such a great kid you know what, you're going to go places. It might seem trivial to you, but because you've been given this thing to be an identifier in your manhood, it actually does something amazing. I was 16 years old. I was in a home where my parents loved me. They're amazing people, but my dad really was anti-Jesus big time at that point. And I loved the church. I loved ministry. I loved being in my youth group. And my senior pastor, he actually, interestingly enough, as God weaves your story, it's fascinating. He and his wife were co-pastors of the church. They actually split the preaching every other week, like clockwork. It was the husband's turn, then the wife's turn, and, and they pastored everything together. And I remember one day at the end of youth group, and I was heading out towards, you know, the hallway to go to my car, and our senior pastor had been there late, and he stopped me. He said, Rachel, I want you to know something. You have what it takes to be a pastor. We had never talked about it. It wasn't even something that was a part of it. And that thing set something in motion in me, right? And I said to him, I don't know. And he said, I don't want you to ever doubt yourself. Here's what God is saying. 30 seconds conversation. I have gone back to that moment more times than you could possibly believe. Because God used in his manliness, in his fathering heart, something to, to shape around our world. And you guys have this. It's so amazing. 
All right, one last thing about being an identifier, because this is a big one. We all have an inherent need to be validated, right? We don't want to admit it, but we do. We have this thing that wants somebody else to come along and say, yep, you are like that. And so dads and men, when you take this place and you speak validation over other people, it actually is, it's not just worthwhile, it's necessary. And the people in your home, they need you to be doing this, even if it's simple, right? It doesn't have to be some dramatic thing where everybody has to gather around in a circle and everybody has to be quiet and dad has to bless each person. It can look as simple as just saying, hey, you know what? You know, one of my daughters, she loves fashion. She's all about it. And, and Grant, he'll, he'll take these moments and he'll go, you put that outfit together so great. And he's validating that thing in her. It's so simple. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but he's doing that identifier thing. You guys tracking with me? All right, it's getting good, men. I love you already. <laughs> All right, the next thing is, men, you set the standard. I know you don't want to, but you do. I love this phrase. Men set the standard of love in a home, and women set the atmosphere of what that standard is. That's how a healthy home operates, right? Now, can you be a standard setter if you don't have a man in your house? Of course you can, right? But men, this is something that is God has given to you. So this is what it looks like. You decide what quality of love you're going to have in your home. You decide the way your kids are going to interact with each other. Are they going to be honoring or not honoring? And then you set that standard. And how many of you men know when you make up your mind, you're going to do what you made up your mind to do? All the women know you're like that, right? And it's, this is that. <laughs> This is that moment of when you set the standard, you make up your mind. Hey, we're not treating each other like that. Or one of the things you men do that is so amazing is when you go, we're going to work hard. We're going to do chores, right? We're going to take the trash out. And the kids start to grumble and say, I don't want to take the trash out. And the mom, sometimes we start going, well, I don't want you to feel bad, you know? And the dad walks in and he's like, nope, we work hard. Go take the trash out. And I don't know about you, but for me, I look at men that do that. And I, in, in my family, several different men, and I always think to myself, are you just not bothered by whatever just happened? And it's not necessarily that you're not bothered, but because you've set the standard, and that's the way it's going to be. And we need you to do that. And the amazing thing about men who are pursuing Jesus is that you set the standard, and then you do it again, and you raise the bar. And we all get to grow because of that. Here's an interesting statistic for you. In a family, we're talking about a family that does not have anybody that knows the Lord, okay, in a completely unchurched family. When a child in that family comes to know Jesus first, there's a 30 to 40% chance that the whole family will come to Jesus. It's good, but not great. When the mom is the first one to accept, accept Jesus, it's about a 60% chance that the whole family will come to Jesus. When the dad accepts Jesus as the first one in the home, we're talking 90% of the time, the whole family gets saved. 90% of the time. Why? Because you set the standard and you decide we're going to live like this and whether we like it or not, we just go along with it because it's the order that God has ordained. And it's such a beautiful thing and I want to speak into that place to you guys because I know a lot of men don't really see yourselves as leaders. I know some men do. You see yourself as I'm the head of my home, I'm a leader, but there are others who don't. And I just want to say you don't have to feel like a leader to set a standard. You don't have to do everything great, right? In our home, one of the best ways my husband leads me is letting me do the things I do better. And I know that sounds like, eh, right? But if you actually look at it and you go, well, why do we put on the man to do all the stuff he's terrible at anyway? Like, why would you? That's not fair to you either. You know what I'm saying? And so even in your leadership, it doesn't have to look the same. But when you set the standard, life works. So good. All right. Let's keep going. Next quality you men do 
you amazing men. Valor. What is valor? Valor, the definition of it is um, courage in the face of danger or battle. Some of you are going, yes. Others of you are like, mm, I don't know if that's so much me. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But here's what I want to say about valor, and this is a stretch, but make it with me. Men, most of you guys probably know this, but you have been given this amazing brain by God that's a little bit like a waffle, okay? It has these beautiful little squares in it. And we women, we dog on you guys about this all the time, but the truth of the matter is we need your waffle compartments for us to stay sane. Anybody in the room going, thank you for being a waffle man. And so this is the way it works. You put a little syrup on the waffle and it falls into those beautiful little compartments and it stays in that little nook, right? That's how it is. There, you guys compartmentalize and it's actually a gift. We have dogged you guys so much for it, but today's your day of vindication. I told you that last week. We're going to vindicate you. This is actually a gift from God. Why? Because there are times in life where we women who our brains are a little bit more like a bowl of spaghetti, and I don't mean that offensively, okay? But if you put a little drop of syrup in a bowl of spaghetti, eventually it's going to hit on every noodle. What do I mean by that? We are very interconnected people, okay? It's not like we're not smart. We're brilliant, right? But this is about being, we're interconnected. Men are more organized and compartmentalized in a grid pattern. So here's why this valor thing comes into play. I know, hang in there with me. Not trying to offend anybody, just trying to explain, okay? When a woman or a family or a person is having a really hard time, men have hard times too where the too much syrup gets on the waffle and it bleeds into everything, right? But when you have a man that comes along and says, hey, I know you're having a hard time about this, but we're gonna do this now right? It's just easy for them. We're going to close the door on this thing that's going on over here. Your work day was rough. We close the door. We go home. We engage with the family. Other people, our work day was rough, and the next thing we know, our grocery store trip is a disaster, and it's just, it's just everything is affected by this one bad thing. You see what I'm saying? So this is why I'm bringing this up. When you men do what you do, and in your kindness and in your love, you help the people around you appropriately compartmentalize, we get to move forward. That, to me, looks like courage in the face of battle or opposition. Most of the battles we face are not hand-to-hand -hand combat situations. They're internal battles. They're mental battles, right? And so we need you men to help us say, you know what? We're not going down this road of despair. We're going down the road of faith. This is just how it's going to be. And it pulls us forward, and it's such a beautiful thing. Another thing in the valor category I want to mention is you guys stand steadfast. And this is resolutely, steadfast, the definition is resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. And I know that this is something you guys get a lot of flack for because, again, you're going to do what you set your mind to do. But I just need to honor this for a second and say this is a very godly thing. And we need that in the world to survive. We need it to move forward. We need it for the world to make sense. So I just want to honor that about you. All right. We made it through that minefield. Next, we're going on to... <laughs> The one we all can agree with, which is men, you are protectors. Yes, all the men go, of course I am. I feel that inside of me. But I love how men in particular are so quick to sacrifice their life for others. I know a lot of you in the room, our servicemen, have been, you know, given time of your life to the military. And, man, what an honor. What an honor to be someone who's been here at home while you have genuinely sacrificed your life to protect us. It's incredible. It doesn't have to just look like that. Sometimes your protective nature looks like in conversation standing up for the person that's being picked on. Or in prayer taking that place in intercession and going, you know what? I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to sacrifice my own everything 
for the sake of someone else who needs this. And that is such an amazing, godly characteristic. Men, you are protectors. The next one I want to mention is you are warriors. All right, now we're getting good. Things that we all recognize as manly. Sorry. Just fix that for all of us who are a little OCD. Um, Warriors. You have this warrior mode, men. You can see there's only one more on the list. I would equate your warrior mode to death mode, okay? And here's what it is. If there's an obstacle in my path, I will annihilate it. Anybody agree? Anybody ever feel that way, right? This is a God thing, okay? We women, we don't really have this. We, ha- we do this sometimes in certain occasions, but it's not a mode that we go into. This is a God-given manly thing, and I think one of the things the Lord wants to do with it is to teach you and to use you in this mode to annihilate opposition over your family so that you guys can move forward in the spirit to take ground. What a beautiful thing. Warrior mode comes out in other ways too. And you know, we don't even have to identify those because you guys all know them. But I just want to say as much as, um, yeah, as much as nurturing is manhood and warrior is manhood, I want you guys to start to see that they all, we're, we're forming a theme, how they all connect to each other, okay? One last one before I tie this whole thing together. Strength. Men, you are strong. Physically, mentally, emotionally, God has given you strength so that we can rely on your strength. And I would just say to you that we need to rely on your strength. There are so many moments in my life where I'll be frustrated about something, having a difficult time, and lean on the strength of a man that's in my life, my brother, my dad, my husband, whoever, and a friend. And when when you guys exhibit your strength, It is so amazing to everybody around you. And so I want to just say, man, thank you. Thank you for being strong. Also, you don't always have to be strong to be strong, (laughs) right? In your weakness, his strength is perfected. And so even if you're looking at a season of your life and going, man, I don't feel strong at all, there is a strength that even comes through you in that. And that is so amazing. All right, so here's eight characteristics of manhood. And here's what I want you to see, okay? All of these things every man has inside of you, but you're going to find in yourself that you have some more than others, okay? Some of you guys might have this category really strong, protector, warrior, strength, and it's like this is my primary mode and I'm, I'm all about this and this is how I operate. Some of you guys may have this um, creative and nurturing thing really strong and that is just everything that you think about and that's your primary mode of operating. Some of you guys it may be identifying, setting the standard, you know, being courageous in those, and holding to those things, but all of these things are manly. And when you are allowing yourself to operate in all of those things and to own that, man, I am telling you, the earth revolves and ricochets in those moments. There's power that comes out from that. One thing I felt like the Lord was saying to me in preparation for today was he said, you know, obviously women have been oppressed for thousands of years. And in the Middle East and places like that, there's still a lot of female oppression. But in America, you men have been spiritually oppressed for a very long time. And I think this battle of what masculinity really is and how we're going to define that weighs on you maybe more than you realize. And I just want to say to you and I want to challenge you to take ownership over who God has made you to be, to be these things with unapologeticness, right? To rise into them, to let them come out of you, and to thrive in that place because the world will respond. One of the things that I was thinking through a couple different um, cultural situations that we've got going on right now. 
And, you know, we can look at, like, the Me Too movement that's been happening, right? And that's such an important thing that needed to happen, where women needed to say, listen, we're not going to allow this kind of stuff to happen anymore. But when we look at this concept, honestly, this should be the men leading the Me Too movement. Now, I know you men are at the forefront of that. So this is not something that's against what you guys are doing or not doing. I'm just saying, what a beautiful thing if, if you were able to reproduce yourself all over the world and godly men who would stand up and say, no, we're going to set the standard here. We're not going to treat people like that. We can talk about it in business. We can talk about it not even with the Me Too movement. We can go into every other issue that's happening right now. Men, you, you, you have been given this place in God to stand up and say, no, this is the boundary line of how we're going to live. This is what godliness really is. And the rest of us will come in line when you're right, right? When you're in line with the word of God, when you're saying the things that the Lord has for you to say, we come in line with that. And it's such a beautiful thing. All right, I want to share one last thing. Going back to how you have been given a calling by God to be identifiers, right? The first thing that you have to do to be able to do that is you have to receive the identity that God wants for you to have as well. And I know that in the context of fatherlessness, that's something that's not actually very quickly come, come by. Some of us, we didn't ask to not have fathers in our life. Most of us didn't, right? And, and it's, just, it's, it's something that can create that need for validation to explode and, and, and get bigger than it really needs to be. And I want to share with you that I believe that in the way that God spoke over Jesus, that he wants to speak that over you as well. We cannot give away what we don't have, right? And so if we're struggling in our own identity and in our own need for validation in ourselves, it's going to be really hard to step into that place as someone who speaks that over other people. And so I really want to challenge you, if it's not this morning, um, take some time this week and just get before God. And it could be as simple as this and say, God, I want to hear you speak my identity into me. I want to have a moment like Jesus where it was just, un, you know, there was no question how you felt about him in that moment. And I wholeheartedly believe God will do that for you. It may not happen instantaneously in that moment, but as you are seeking him, when you seek him, you find him, right? And so when you are seeking him and saying, Lord, I want to hear that, he will begin to speak those things into you. And as they speak into you, you'll be given something to give away. And it's really beautiful. And once you hear the Lord saying that, and maybe even before you hear the Lord saying that, I wanna encourage you to get some other men to speak into your life too. I absolutely recognize that when you tell a group of men to ask another man to encourage him, that is really not something men want to do on a regular basis, okay? So I hear that. But I want to say, I honestly believe if we could create a culture where it is easy and natural for you men to step into that place of speaking identity, to just do it casually, naturally when the moment comes up, right? We can actually affect this transformational thing in our city like it would go berserk. There is something about this area of Oklahoma City where there's a, a, so many men who are really apathetic to Jesus. And I don't mean that as like, a, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm saying it just is what it is. It's difficult for men to come into the fullness of what God has for them. I'm not entirely sure why, but I've spent the last several years really praying into that and saying, Lord, I don't want to see that happen because this isn't about, um, it's not what the gospel is for. You'd be surprised how many churches in our area are filled with, with women and very few men, right? And, and what's hard about that is that then, because we have not been given the calling to speak identity. I mean, we can speak identity. We sure can encourage you and, and build you up, but it's, it's, it's not exactly the same. 
And so we need you men to take that, to take that mantle, that calling, and really run with it. And so I'm really challenging you guys, too, in your next group time to take a moment and just get somebody in your mind on the drive over there and just make, you know, we're not talking about making it awkward. <laughs> Please don't make it awkward, <laughs> right? But just say, hey, you know, I was thinking you're amazing at that. Simple as that. That's something we can do, right? Hey, I was thinking, I know this has been a difficult situation for you, but you totally can do that. You absolutely have what it takes to manage your life well, to manage the things that are in front of you, to overcome whatever the case may be. So Sarah, will you come up and play for a minute? And what I want to do to sort of end our time this morning is I just want to open up the front. I'm going to move this stuff out of the way. And men and women, I want us to take an opportunity to listen to the Lord speak to you who you are speak some identity into you in that place. And then um, I'll pray over us as we end. We've got one more surprise for you at the end of um, this time. But, you know, I know this may feel kind of awkward or, or uncomfortable, but don't let it, okay? If you're, something is stirring with you and you're like, man, I want to hear God speak that over me, this is your moment. Just come up here. You can go to the back. You can go to the sides and just ask the Lord, hey, God, if I was Jesus being baptized in the river and coming out, what would you say about, about me? What would people hear? Because God is saying it over you. He wants to allow you to actually hear it. All right, so I'm gonna pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for the men that are in this room. God, we thank you for godly manhood, for just the amazing things that they offer to the kingdom and to the world and to this church. We honor them this morning. And Lord, we ask as every person in this room comes before you and says, God, would you speak into my heart what you think about me? Lord, we pray they would hear your voice in Jesus' name. And so we're gonna take just a minute or two. So if you're comfortable, come up here. You can stand, you can kneel and just ask the Lord to speak over you.
so the Lord says to you, men, my sons, I am so incredibly proud of who you are. And I absolutely love the way you move towards me. It doesn't bother me the difficulties or the obstacles that you're facing right now because I trust that my grace is sufficient for you and I trust that you love me and I most and foremost trust Jesus in you and you will make it and you will come through. And the Lord would also say to you that he is so pleased in who you are. He sees in you a good creation. He's proud of his handiwork. And so we honor you today, men. We speak blessings over you. And we bless you to thrive. We bless you to rise. We bless you to exhibit godly manhood on the earth. And we welcome that in this place. And the Lord would say to all the women, he is so pleased and honored that you love him. He's so pleased with who you are. You are a beautiful creation to him. He is absolutely enthralled with his handiwork on display in your life. And you have what it takes to move forward and through and overcome. And Jesus in you is everything you need. And so we honor you women. We honor your journey. We honor your heart for Jesus and we bless you to thrive. And Lord, we pray over this church that we would be a church that truly demonstrates how men and women work in partnership together, how we both can take our place and neither has to suffer or take a back seat. Lord, we thank you for that calling you've put on our church and we just release that this morning. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we bless every person that's here. Fill them up, fill them up, fill them up with joy and peace and all the good stuff. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. Um, we'll, we'd love to pray over you. And um, you can linger in this moment if you want to as well. And we've got a little special gift for all the men in the lobby. The women are getting some too. And um, yeah, so when you're ready, you can head on out. We love you. We hope you feel celebrated today, and we will see you next week. We're starting a brand new series on testimonies. It's going to be incredible, so we'll see you then.